president reportedly tried to get the U.S. ambassador to the U.K. to help move the British Open to a Scottish golf course. Kim Kardashian West issued a lengthy statement today addressing Kanye's bipolar diagnosis. And the coronavirus is truly a global problem, and it couldn't have come at a worse time for the world's most vulnerable people. We're talking with Anissa Toscano, the Vice President of Humanitarian Leadership and Response at Mercy Corps, about how humanitarians are trying to help those most at risk around the world. The date, July 22nd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Okay, Casey, I remember towards the start of this, we talked a little bit about what our best quarantine purchase has been so far. And I want to know if yours has updated. I, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, before it was your under desk bike that you had. Yeah, it's sitting right next to me. I used it three times. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to I've been trying to sell it because this isn't my fault. A couple days later, I found a stationary bike from the 80s, like a full on big one on oh. the side of the road. And now it's on my balcony and I use that. So I've been trying to sell this tiny one and it's not going well. Um, and then, you know, about my Birkenstocks, I guess the latest thing is that, uh, I put, uh, I thought about buying a pack of 20 hostesses last night. So <laughs> Which, no, no, please more specific. Which hostess? The zingers. They're the oh, ones with, they're the yeah. ones with vanilla icing on top and cream in the center. Um, I had a bad day the other day and I got some and they were so good. And I'm like, oh, these are addictive. I want 20 more. <laughs> I think my best quarantine purchase so far has been this dumb pair of like super soft cotton pajama shorts from Target that were like $15. And I love them so much. They are my favorite soft pants. I still put on hard pants every day for this show just to make sure I can like focus enough to do the thing. But man, what you have to do is you have to get those shorts in five different colors and mm-hmm. then wear them each different day. So you don't have to do laundry. I, I did that with a couple of shirts. They're real great. That's the move, everyone. <laughs> Pro tip out there, everyone. Pro tip. Okay, time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. For the first time since May, 1,000 people in the United States died from COVID-19 in just one day. The rising death toll still hasn't hit the heights of the early months of the pandemic, but isn't showing any sign of abating as the U.S. nears 150,000 dead. Online review site Yelp reported recently that more than half of the restaurants listed as temporary closed are now permanently shuttered. And some cities and states are grappling with whether to not just pause their reopening, but institute a second stay-at-home order. But the odds of Congress passing a new coronavirus bill anytime soon seems slim. The White House and congressional Republicans are reportedly not on the same page about what a bill should include. The president is pushing hard for a payroll tax cut. Senate Republicans are less sure about that, but they know they don't want to extend the $600 per week expansion of unemployment benefits set to expire at the end of this week. One area where Democrats and Republicans in Congress are in agreement, though, is the need for more checks sent directly to citizens. Whether the new round of stimulus would fit the same parameters as the first set of $1,200 checks sent out is still being debated. Meanwhile, the New York Times reported yesterday that the president tried to get the U.S. ambassador to the U.K. to get the British Open moved to his golf course. Robert Wood Johnson IV, a.k.a. Woody, is an owner of the New York Jets and has been the U.S. ambassador to the Court of St. James's since 2017. And according to the Times, back in 2018, he told multiple people that he was under pressure to get the Brits to move the British Open to Trump's Turnberry Golf Course in Scotland. Ambassador Johnson apparently did raise the issue with Secretary of State for Scotland, David Mundell, despite his deputy warning him against it. 
According to the Times, the Trump family's golf courses make up about a third of their annual revenue, so they're constantly trying to get major tournaments to play at them. CNN now reports that Ambassador Johnson was under investigation for his role for trying to lure the British Open to Turnberry. He was also being investigated for alleged racist incidents where he, quote, made racist generalizations about black men and questioned why the black community celebrates Black History Month. It's worth noting that Steve Linick, the State Department Inspector General conducting the probe, was fired in mid-May. And finally, Twitter has purged thousands of accounts related to the QAnon conspiracy movement from the site. It was the biggest action that any platform has taken against the conspiracy, which spawned on 4chan and related boards before spreading out through the rest of the internet. The short version of the theory. A person, Q, is inside the Trump administration and is giving out coded messages to his followers about the deep state cabal of pedophiles that Trump is secretly fighting. Twitter said in a statement on Tuesday that it would be permanently removing more than 7,000 accounts associated with the movement, along with blocking Q-related matters from trending topics. Tweets with links that espouse QAnon theories will also be blocked. It's a big, bold move that will require a lot of policing to work. But according to the New York Times, Facebook will be joining Twitter in the crackdown soon. It remains to be seen how the sites will handle politicians who post about QAnon. Several candidates running for Congress this year have expressed support for the Q movement, but other supporters have threatened or carried out violence after becoming convinced about the theories. Yeah, I mean, this is a bold stance uh, to to take for Twitter and Facebook because I, it really has blown up in, in the past couple of months. Like at first, I wasn't hearing people talking about it. Then I heard celebrities talking about mm-hmm. it. Then politicians. I mean, it just, yeah. Um, also, I wanted to go back to um, talking about Yelp and how almost half of those restaurants they were talking about have been shuttered. It just makes me so sad. They're struggling, restaurant owners, they're struggling so much right now. And it also made me think, I saw this question recently about if you're supposed to tip on pickup orders. I always tip because my mom always tipped, et cetera. But a lot of people don't tip because they think the only reason you're supposed to tip is because someone is serving you in the restaurant. But I'm like, ah, oh, they're still doing work. Maybe not as much coming to your table, refilling your water, but they're still doing it. And I just have a feeling that'll, uh, you know, a part of this, of their revenue going down is people just not tipping. I mean, I definitely used to be one of those people because I was never really taught that. I was basically of the same mindset that, oh, I'm going to do the labor to go and get the food and bring it home. So I don't really need a tip. Thankfully, my mind has been changed on that one. But yeah, I mean, part it comes down to as well, like part of the reason why tipping is so important is because most restaurant servers don't make minimum wage and rely on those tips to supplement their income. Okay, Casey, what have you got on deck today? Okay, first up, actor Megan Fox and rapper Machine Gun Kelly did a joint interview about their four-month-long relationship on the Give Them Lala and Randall podcast, and it sounds intense. Also, for people who don't know who Lala and Randall are, they come from um, uh, our favorite uh, reality TV show, and I say our because Hayes and I (laughs) both love (laughs) Vanderpump Rules. Okay, anyways... Fox and Machine Gun Kelly met on the set of the upcoming movie Midnight in the Switchgrass. And before cameras were even rolling, Fox said she, quote, could feel that some wild shit was going to happen to me from that meeting. But I wasn't yet sure what. It wasn't one sided, though. Kelly said he waited outside of Fox's trailer, hoping to catch a glimpse of her. By day two of filming, Fox had already invited Kelly to her trailer for one of the most intimate things you can do with a person. Go over his astrology chart. Kelly is apparently a Pisces moon and everyone that is important. It explains a lot in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fox also said that she didn't think of her and Kelly as soulmates, but instead twin flames. She was previously married to actor Brian Austin Green, who confirmed in May that the two were splitting. They have three kids together. Okay, I learned that this midnight in the switchgrass movie randall is producing it of course (laughs) he's a producer for people out there who don't know and that makes sense why those two would come onto their podcast because it's synergy it's synergy baby it's los angeles it's hollywood i love some good old synergy did you watch the did you watch the 30 rock um reunion last week no i didn't they did it was actually good they, the production quality was really strong um and all this stuff but it was it was basically an hour-long reunion of 30 rock um stars but also a way to show off every new NBC show that's going to be available on Peacock. And they did, and you know, like Tina Fey did a lot of like wink winks throughout the entire thing. Like they knew what they were doing, but that's like such a 30 rock thing to do. But yes, synergy, it is alive and it is real, baby. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) And in other news, jumping off what we talked about on Monday concerning Kanye, Kim Kardashian West issued a lengthy statement today addressing her husband's bipolar diagnosis and how it's affected their family. Kim wrote that she'd previously held off on talking about it, trying to respect Kanye's privacy. But now she says she felt the need to speak out given the stigma and misconceptions about mental health that are out there. She indirectly answered people out there who've wondered why the Kardashians haven't done more to get Kanye help, writing, quote, Those that understand mental illness or even compulsive behavior know that the family is powerless unless the member is a minor. People who are unaware or far removed from this experience can be judgmental and not understand that the individual themselves have to engage in the process of getting help, no matter how hard family and friends try. Kanye has continued to post on Twitter this week, including claims that Kim tried to have him institutionalized and that he was attempting to divorce her. Kim, for her part, closed her statement asking for compassion and empathy from the public and media and thank people who have expressed concern for Kanye's well-being. Oh, man. What it was a really well written statement, really sad statement to read. Yeah, it definitely was. You know, like whether you know, like her PER team had a hand in it or she wrote it herself. Like it was, you could see that it was deeply personal and emotional for her to write. I I was moved by the last part of what she said, um, which was, "We as a society talk about giving grace to the issue of mental health as a whole. However, we should also give it to the individuals who are living with it in times when they need it most." You know, and I think I see that a lot, like on Twitter, on TikTok, on Facebook, where people are just like being very like big advocates for mental health issues which is very good and very important. But I think then when it happens to someone specific and you see what mental illness can do to someone, it makes people kind of like back off and get like a little bit weirded out. But it's like, no, this is, if you're preaching about supporting mental health, then it's like, this is a part of it. Right? I mean, it's so easy to see what's happening and try and divorce the two in a way because of who it is and try and Mm. apply a layer of, well, it's this person. So do we really have to go in so hard for standing up for them and for mental health in this specific situation? And the answer is yes, you probably should be doing that. If you're doing it in the general, you should probably be doing it for the specific as well. Mm -hmm. All right. When we come back, we've got Mercy Corps Vice President Anissa Toscano talking with us about how the pandemic is making conditions even harder for vulnerable populations around the world. Be right back. SheFit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. 
The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. First in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com, and now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on L.A. to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver. And on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson, editor-in-chief of InStyle magazine Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. The coronavirus pandemic is absolutely at the top of the world's list of major problems to deal with right now. But just because we're fighting against COVID-19 doesn't mean that the other short and long-term problems that humanitarian groups have been struggling to fix for decades have just disappeared. We're joined from London by Anissa Toscano, who's the Vice President for Humanitarian Leadership and Response from the nonprofit Mercy Corps. Anissa, thank you for being here with us. Oh, thanks so much. It's good to be with you. So your organization, Mercy Corps, works pretty much exclusively in areas that are going through political or environmental crises of one sort or another, or have just come out of them. How has the coronavirus affected your work and the issues you've been tackling globally? Yeah, well, I I mean, as you know, the pandemic has affected all aspects of life across the globe. And in whatever core country we're talking about, we know that the most vulnerable are the most acutely affected, right, by shocks of any kind. So not least coronavirus, whether that's, you know, U.S. or Syria or Yemen. So in the places that we work, so the fragile states, uh, war zone, often quite difficult to reach areas, we were already responding to crises at varying levels. I mean, this was from degraded health systems, ongoing conflict, um, other disease outbreaks like Ebola. Never mind like floods and hurricanes. So the coronavirus hasn't displaced any of those other crises. It's just added one more seismic shock onto those already vulnerable areas and and populations that we've been working with. You've been doing development and humanitarian work for 24 years now. Can you think of any situations you've worked on that were comparable to how threatening this virus is for vulnerable populations? No, I mean, this This emergency is unprecedented, and it really requires a never-before-seen seen effort. Um, our global response to this crisis is really, it's only as strong as our weakest link. We're, we're living in such a hyper-connected world. Um, 
And I mean, for us, we can't afford to waste time in getting ahead of, of the impacts and supporting people through this crisis, not just at home, but across every country across the entire globe. So Casey and I, we're here in the U.S. where the coronavirus situation is pretty bad enough so that it can be easy to forget in a way that other places are even more at risk. Where would you say is the biggest potential hotspot for the virus that most people aren't really thinking about? Well, I, you know, I think the, the virus has reached every corner of every country. I think one particular population and, and various community that we're, we're really concerned about is all of those people that are on the move. So, you know, there's 80 million people around the world that have been forced to to flee their homes, whether that's refugees who cross borders or the millions in Yemen or in Syria or other countries that are displaced inside their country, but they can't cross borders. And I think the thing about people on the run is that, you know, often they're they're residing in close quarters. They may not have enough clean water for, for drinking, for hand washing even. And they often just don't have the resources, you know, to do those basic steps that we've been able to do, you know, whether it's the UK or in the US to protect ourselves. So, you know, like in Northwest Syria, you know, we've had to ramp up providing PPE, um, so personal protective equipment, clean water, soap, and, and just information to people, uh, displaced communities about how to stay safe. And you specifically use the phrase of people on the move. And whereas other people around the globe have specific stay at home orders where they're being told not to move. I mean, that's just a privilege they don't have. Can you speak on that a little bit? Well, absolutely. And, you know, the, the types of things that we've all been experiencing, you know, and your listeners, listeners have been experiencing around, you know, stay at home or quarantine for two weeks at home. You know, these people don't have the luxury of stockpiling some food for two weeks to stay in one place. Um, you know, it, and, and in many of the communities where we, we work, people just can't afford to stay home. You know, they need to go out and earn, you know, earn money. They're on subsistence uh, wages or, or subsistence economies as it is. So, yeah, the those orders to stay at home can be really difficult in a lot of places that we're working. So yeah, last year, the number of people, like you mentioned, so many people, millions of people are fleeing conflict. It's the highest uh, it's been since World War II. But the world's donor countries like the US, Japan, Canada, were already pretty cash-strapped before the pandemic. What kind of effect has the coronavirus had on the amount of funding available to do things like care for refugees? Well, I think I think there's two questions there, Hayes, and it's such a critical question that we're we're grappling right now. I think one is, you know, the is appreciating the rising needs that are happening as a result of COVID. So, you know, we had high levels, record high levels of of need last year. And now we're seeing those numbers of of folks that are going to be in need of humanitarian assistance. That's that's skyrocketing around the globe, including in new places that we weren't assisting before as a global community, you know. So there's that piece. And then of course, as you mentioned, a lot of those those big institutional donors um, are, are finding themselves, you know, needing to to invest at home. And what I would say is that we need a global financial effort to get ahead of this crisis. I think we're we're so concerned now, not just about what we're seeing today, but about the economic shocks we're going to be seeing in the next year, two years, three years down the line. And we need to have that funding up front now to, to keep people above poverty levels and to really hold on to some of those development gains that we've, we've, we've had over the last few decades. So we've been talking lately about potential coronavirus vaccines that are under development right now. 
But vaccine campaigns are hard to run and distribute. What sort of steps need to be taken to be able to distribute any vaccine that's produced? Well, I think the key thing is going to be about communication and and networks through the the community. And, uh, you know, I think what we've seen in terms of the work that we've done um, in the the surrounding Ebola response has been the importance of that community networks about information, about getting the word out, as well as that organizational effort, which is going to be a massive lift across across the globe. Um, and we need to make sure that, you know, the vaccine is available uh, to all populations, all countries, all those affected, that it isn't just something that is held by those um, high-income countries uh, that, that may be uh, hosting the businesses that are, are developing those vaccines. Anissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We have time for one more thing. And today, it's some really weird news out of Ukraine, where the country's president ended a hostage situation by endorsing a Joaquin Phoenix movie. Okay, is that a Mad Lib? Are we just playing Mad Libs now without you telling me? No, this really happened, Casey. So yesterday, in the city of Luetsk, a gunman held a busload of 20 people hostage. At one point, he fired off shots, trying to take down a police drone, and threatened to explode a device he'd hidden somewhere in the city. Among the demands he posted online were that some members of the Ukrainian government admit that they're terrorists and for President Volodymyr Zelensky to tell people to watch the 2005 movie Earthlings, an animal rights documentary narrated by Joaquin Phoenix. Since we all inhabit the Earth, all of us are considered Earthlings. There is no sexism, no racism or speciesism in the term Earthling. It encompasses each and every one of us, warm or cold-blooded, mammal, vertebrae, or invertebrae. Okay, and then what happened? Okay, so Zelensky got on the phone with the guy. They spoke for about 10 minutes, and the gunman agreed to free some of the hostages, namely a wounded person and a pregnant woman and a child, in exchange for Zelensky posting a video endorsing that movie to Facebook, which he did. Ukrainian special forces later managed to storm the bus and capture the gunman, freeing all the remaining hostages. None of them were hurt, and Zelensky took the video down from his Facebook, and apparently they're just going to move on with their lives. Okay, first of all, I'm so happy that no one was hurt, except for maybe that one wounded person. I hope they are okay. But, um, what? Yeah, yeah, that all happened. I know it sounds like a movie, but Ukraine is a weird place. I mean, this is the country where their president, Zelensky, used to be an actor on TV playing oh God. the president of <gasps> Ukraine. Yeah. Okay, I just found that out. So that is yeah. that's an interesting piece of information. That is absolutely wild. Um, I'm confused. Was there any more explanation after the fact about why this is the why this is the documentary he wanted posted on Facebook? It's really not clear, to be honest. Like, he had some anti-government stances, and I guess it's the pro-animal rights veganness of the movie. But no, it's not clear. And also, uh, Joaquin Phoenix has not commented, to my knowledge. I, I think we should call him and ask him, like, what he thinks of this, because what? It is truly a, a wild situation. Um, hmm, Hayes, I'm going to get back to you with 20 more questions at midnight tonight. <laughs> I, look, I look forward to that text message, Casey. And honestly, though, I wish I could say this was the weirdest Ukraine story I've ever seen in the last year, but I covered impeachment. So there you go. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we talk to season eight winner of RuPaul's Drag Race and all around legend, Bob the Drag Queen. 
And remember, Casey is selling a tiny exercise bike, guys. It goes under your desk. If you want it and you're in the LA region, reach out to her. Very reasonable price, guys. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please, take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. For my small bookstore to thrive, I can't just sell books. So I created a radio ad at iheartadbuilder.com to tell everyone about our author events, our story hours for kids, and our amazing lattes. Now we're busier than ever. I'd call that a success story. A custom radio ad from iHeart Ad Builder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com.